welcome to Filled with the Spirits. I'm Jason. I don't know if we've ever said our names before. Yeah, I've said your names, but mostly when you said controversial things. Okay, fair enough. Like, yeah, call, <laughs> and I'm Chad, yep. uh, I'm, all, a.k.a. Big Bad Chad. There you go. Yep. Uh, today we are drinking some Weller on this Filled with the Spirits podcast where we like to talk about uh, being filled with these types of spirits and then also filled with the Holy Spirit because we're right. both believers. Um, right. So we're going to taste some whiskey and then we're going to talk about something theological related. Yep. That's the idea. Boom. So uh, so today uh, Jason has provided us with some, uh, some Weller. Yeah. So uh, Weller is a weeded bourbon. Chad loves bourbon because of all the corn in it. Corn, it's so, got the juice. <laughs> every episode, we're gonna we're gonna sing that. That's right. Uh, yeah. So the the we should probably start with a green label, which is the Special Reserve. If you want to start with that. Um, okay. Weller is made by Buffalo Trace, which is a super popular distillery. Uh, they make the contract make. I'm I'm already happy. disappointed. This had a screw on top. This is Didn't the first whiskey that uh, yep. that you and I have have done on a podcast that had a screw on top. In fact, I don't even know that I've ever owned a whiskey with the screw on top. So. so they used to just have the corks, and then about three or four years ago, they switched to the screw on tops, probably to save money, because oh, they I'm were selling too much anyway. Looks like, I mean, you can take the bigger pour if you'd like. I wasn't paying attention. Too so. close. Okay. I can't reach that far. Uh, Weller's a weeded bourbon made by Buffalo Trace Distillery. They uh, contract distill all the pappies and everything everybody always talks about. Um, they used to just have three of their Weller like this. It's Weller, not Wellers, unless it's plural. The green label is there. Uh, is, is it ninety proof? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. It was forty five percent ABV, is what I saw. Yeah, there you that's go. Right. Double that. You got some math happening. That's the uh, that's the average regular Weller. Uh, and then you've got this red label. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's start with this. So this is the the everyday stuff you can find in Texas. You can find it pretty much everywhere. Okay. Um, outside of Texas, it's getting harder and harder to find. So, really? Yeah. I would give it two to three more years, and we may not find as much. I don't know. I don't know. We may not find it in a couple of years in Texas either. Getting some caramel smell. Almost like uh, caramel popcorn. So this to me is a little bit similar to that old Forester we keep talking about the 1910 because it's got the sweetness. That's what the wheat the wheat does for you. It has, I believe, it is less rye and more more wheat because it has to be 51% corn. So we know right at least that much corn, if not more, and then uh, just more wheat than rye in a typical bourbon. Do, does Weller publish their mash bill for this kind of stuff? No, I don't think they publish it. Um, I think gotcha. So the only way you'd know is if you uh, if you knew somebody who knew. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I don't believe they. I don't believe they publish it. Um. So that yeah, this is a you know this is a great. It's like a thirty dollar bottle, twenty five thirty bucks something like that. Um, as far as bourbons go, I I like to have it every once in a while. Before this bottle, I hadn't had one in a year or so probably. Just because, you know, when you can get it on the shelf every day, it's not something I would buy every day. Right. Um, but uh, I'm a fan of it. I like the the red label a little bit more, which is exactly the same, but just a higher proof. Okay. Um, I don't know how old this is. I would guess four, four to eight years, which is a big range, but that's okay. my guess. You mean 
How long, okay. it's, been, how long it's been in the barrel. Okay. Yep. So so it was aged. Your guess is it was somewhere aged somewhere b- between four and eight years. Okay. Yep. And it's so, not age stated. You know, they're mixing right. a bunch of barrels. Sure. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're aiming for a flavor profile. They want every bottle to taste exactly the same. So they're mixing till they get what they anticipate is the correct flavor profile. Yep. So what do you think? Is it too bourbony for you? No, no, no. Like, uh, I, I, I was just thinking, like, so one of the things I don't like about bourbon in general is just kind of that. Um, I, so I don't know the right verbiage to use. In my mind, it's this sickly sweet, this overly sweet, corny taste. Or it's an overly sweet taste I associate with stuff that is overly corn syruped. Okay. All right. Um, and that so that's the that's the flavor in bourbon that I'm that I kind of puts me off a little bit. I I don't taste that here. There's definitely some sweetness, but it's not overly sweet. Yeah. It, it it's almost like the wheat uh, has mellowed that out a little bit. Yeah, and it obviously it still has a lot of corn in it, but I wonder how sure. having that wheat if that changes that profile enough to where it makes it different for you than a what we would call a standard bourbon. You know, closer to a normal ma- right. mash bill, I guess. Because my guess is a normal mash bill is like seventy five to eighty percent corn, and the rest is rye. That would be my guess, but I don't know for sure. I have no idea either. Unless you get a uh, mellow corn, which is a ten dollar yellow bottle of whiskey that is one hundred percent corn, it's not great, but it's not well. You would hate it. I don't love it necessarily. I'd probably not like it simply because I already know it's one hundred percent corn, it right? If I didn't know, maybe it would be uh, interesting to try it to see if that really because then you can nail nail down that is definitely the corn that you don't like, right? But, I mean, I think we're pretty the, confident. The, the problem is. It, it becomes psychosomatic at that point. So I'll tell a story about that in a second. Let me have another sip of this. I like stories. <laughs> so um, I don't like mayonnaise. Okay. And I grew up in a time when Hidden Valley Ranch was not really sold in the stores. My mom bought packets. I mean, maybe they sold it in the stores. Uh, all I know is my mom made the dr- the dressing at home. Yep. Okay. She bought packets of the stuff, and I liked ranch dressing. It was great. Like it was the only way that, that made salad palatable for me, because <laughs> I was not exactly a vegetable guy. And uh, I remember one day walking into the kitchen. And my mom has a jar of mayonnaise that she's dumping into this bowl. And sitting next to the bowl is a packet of the Hidden Valley Ranch stuff, like the spices and stuff that that was obviously about to be dumped in there. And I was like, what are you doing? And I see the Hidden Valley Ranch and I go, wait, are you making dressing? (laughs) She goes, get out of here. You're not supposed to be in here because she knew what was about to happen. And I go, I'm like, wait. Wait, is ranch dressing made from mayonnaise? I told you to get out of this. Get out of my kitchen. So I left was, the kitchen for the next, I don't know, somewhere between five and ten years. Every time I tasted ranch, all I tasted was mayonnaise. So that was the day you became a man. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. And it wasn't until I was till I was twenty something that I realized until I was married, actually, that I realized, you know what? 
even if it is flavored mayonnaise, it, as long as I like the flavor of the mayonnaise, who cares? There you go. You know, so, uh, but, so, so I say that to tell you that I just don't know if, uh, if my mind can handle Fair enough. separating out. You don't so want to see if, how the if we did some kind of blind taste test. Maybe. maybe. Maybe someday we'll do that. Yeah, maybe. That, that, it sounds like an interesting episode of, yeah. of the podcast. And one of the glasses will have mayonnaise in it. It's watered down mayonnaise and we'll see if we can. <laughs> I will one throw to, I, up all over your nice cameras. When I was younger, we were out. My dad had a work trip somewhere in Europe and it was the one time that we got to go with him. And we were at some restaurant and we, or, we got salads and they put mayonnaise on on the salad like it like not not mayonnaise mixed with right no just it was well, mayonnaise was it mayonnaise or was it miracle whip it was mayonnaise oh, it was not good i it was really bad anyway that's not what this is all about but now that we're sufficient <laughs> sufficiently grossed out let's keep drinking our <laughs> our whiskey i think it's time for uh for what's well, so wait so we're gonna do red label next so. yeah i think so let's just do a little bit of it uh just because yeah. It is stronger, it, and I, we don't want to ruin sure. the the twelve. Okay, so you yeah. know, just pour. Two I'll, I'll let there. you pour. How about that? I poured the first pours, That's but uh, That's actually, That's about right, right? Sure. I mean, you're not hearing me fuss. So, so this is the same same stuff, but it's called Antique One Hundred Seven. Um, Old Weller Antique is the uh, they call it OWA on the interwebs. Uh, it's 107 proof, so it's supposed to be the same thing, just not watered down as okay. much. Okay, so it's like cast strength in theory, or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, something. Yeah, whatever that term technically means. Right. So I I like this typically more because it's just got more of those same flavors that I like. More robust flavor. So there you go. What are your thoughts? So, yes. <laughs> and there I you like have it. it. <laughs> I like it more, right? <laughs> I like it more, but it's because um, I don't know if it's just the higher proof or it's the combination of the higher proof. The higher proof brings out the rye more, but I taste that spiciness that comes with a rye. Hmm. I mean, I don't just mean just alcohol burn, heat, but yeah, the flavor but, of it. But but there's definitely a I, I taste more of the rye in this one than I did in that one, hmm. and uh, you know, and I I kind of like a decent rye, and so it tastes less like bourbon and more like a rye, and it it has to have something to do simply with the the proof, right? Yeah, yeah, that bottle. You, again, speaking in Texas, like so, there's some story you'll have to Google it, but there's some story about why we get more Weller in Texas than anywhere else in the country. Like, evidently, we get more Weller distributed in Texas than you can even get in Kentucky. Oh, really? Um, I forget the exact story behind that, but there's something you can well, Google awesome. it, or I'm just making it up, and you guys are Googling for nothing. So, um, <laughs> that red label, you could get that until I don't know, maybe like a year before the pandemic, you could get that on the shelf pretty much every other store you went to in, in Houston. You could get it all the time. Uh, and then one day, you just couldn't get it anymore. And uh, that bottle 
that bottle was given to me by a friend of mine that I had met uh, in a in a bourbon group on the internet, and uh, he had a bottle of it, and he gave it to me as a gift, which is pretty cool. I found a bottle maybe a year and a half ago on the shelf at Total Wine, just sitting there that nobody had bought yet. But it's one of those that it's 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 a lot harder to find now, even in Houston. So green okay. label, you can still get it. Red label, not as much. All right. That's uh, I will have to uh, keep that in mind if I'm out and about. Yeah, there you go. But it, it, it I don't know if it's because it's later in the day, and I've already had uh, a couple full meals, and so my palate is distinct is uh, diminished at this point. But I, I I'm having a much harder time distinguishing flavors between. You know, normally we have at least some robust idea of what flavors are coming out. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like we've mentioned a, we have not. That's interesting. a single flavor other than I smelled caramel on the, uh, this is what the reserve, the special reserve. Sorry. Uh, but, but we, some of that for me is like, these were some of the first bourbons that I really drank when I got into, to, when I got into bourbon, like this Weller 12 here, we'll try in a second. That again, that you could get on the shelf all the time as well. So like that was the bourbon I would buy, just because it had an, an age statement on it, so that meant it was good. I guess. Sure. I thought, and I so I would that. I would drink that all the time, um, and then once that you couldn't get any more, then I would drink the red one, and then I would drink the green. Like so, they're so familiar to me that I haven't even. I'd started drinking them before I would even know what a taste profile was. Right. So I I never put any thought into it. I on the on the nose I get. This is not going to make any sense to anyone who doesn't know. Martin guitars, but it <laughs> smells like a new Martin guitar, which never buy a new Martin guitar. Martin guitars are only good when Used. they're 25, 30 years old. At least they the wood has broken to, in. Yes. Something okay. about the wood. Um, but I, I'm getting some of that on here. It's like a sharp, a sharp wood smell. I, I often, this is not going to sound good, but when I think of new Martin guitars, I think of like, um, like a termite killer almost. Like, some Medis- chem- like, like a chemical, chemical smell, yeah. and I get a hint of that on here. I mean, so so this one smells very bourbony to me. Yep the the smell I associate with bourbon in general, but the kind of sweet, kind of dark. Yep, a little vanilla. Yeah, uh, a hint of vanilla, hint of that caramel. Yeah, there's none of those like when we, we do a lot of scotches. There's none of those scotch flavors like the or, you know, like the fruitiness. Like I'm not getting the especially the dark fruits. Not there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you have to remind me uh, off air. Uh, I found a, a, a restaurant that uh, we might want to try because they have a pretty good scotch list. So. Okay. But if they're not offering us free food, we can't say the but name. That's right. Air. That's why I can't. Yep. I can't mention them on air. Uh, unless they ask us to come do a podcast. There. So sorry, McDonald's. We're not going to say. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure the scotch list at McDonald's is it's probably pretty, pretty uh, weak. probably not what I'm after. I mean, so so here's what I'll say for for a guy who's not, who likes whiskey, specifically more single malts than anything else, and and I'm not a big bourbon guy. Um, I like Irish whiskeys as well. I mean, in fact, generally. Uh, 90% of my days, um, I have either an Irish whiskey or a scotch in the evenings. Um, so 
and the other 10%, I'm not having anything, by the way. It's not like there's 10% for bourbons. Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, it's um, Everclear. That's the other days. He was, that, yeah. That's right. Um, I, I would say that, that these are things that I could drink, you know, like if I'm hanging out with you and you have some Weller, you know, oh, yeah, I, I could drink that, like. Sure, I'm not going to be like uh, I. I don't like bourbon. Yep. I'm so sorry, chap. No, no, no. I. I. I but if drink you did, this. you would use that that voice. I'm, I'm uh, sure. I mean, to be fair, I have to I have many voices. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna move on to the twelve. By the way, uh, Arsenal beat Tottenham today, uh, which is uh, I've become a, uh, over the last probably eighteen months. I've become a gunner, a gooner, as they say in the UK. My <laughs> son has been a. An Arsenal fan for a long time, so uh, so up the Arsenal. Anyway, we uh, I saw that Chelsea beat Crystal Palace, but it was a little nerve wracking there for a little bit because they probably should have beat Crystal Palace. And uh, did. Crystal Palace is a pretty good team. I mean, but Christian Pul- uh, Pulisic got an American soccer player. For those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. uh, he got the assist on the winning goal. I saw that. I, I was at Home Depot when it happened, but <laughs> my my computer in my pocket told me uh, Weller twelve. This, I'm gonna. I used to love this. And now it's a bit too woody for me. Really? Oh, because it's been in the barrel for so long. Yeah, it's, it's twelve years for a scotch is great, right? Twelve years for a bourbon, it's yeah. You can go ahead and pour. It's uh, it's right on the edge. What's up with this little weird thing on top? It's that party pour. He's slowing down. They I don't. See. They don't make this big bottle anymore. They only make them in this size. Um, hey, that's not a screw top, is it? No, I think that's a cork. So I don't know. That, you I've poured for, it. So I've had that you... bottle for a while. I just realized that. Yeah, so they don't make the big bottle anymore. Um, they just make the uh, 750s. So this is uh, Weller 12. Yep, the original wheated bourbon. Let's go wheat. I can't hear you. What? I know. I was about to talk. And I was like, wait, I need to get on the microphone. So this, again, same recipe. Um, but this being a 12-year, they're... So, so in theory, all three of these are the same mash bill. Yeah, they are. I mean, at least they purport to be. They're supposed to be. If they're not, gotcha. they're, there's some false advertising. The, so, so let's make sure we distinguish the differences here. So this um, Weller Special Reserve is, it's, we really have no idea how long it's been aged. No, okay. I mean, again, you could Google it. I think people have smarter guesses than me. I would get, I'm going to say six years. Okay. Why not? And then what, what's the actual name on the red label? Antique. Antique 107. Me, Antique 107. It used to be Old Weller Antique, and then it's now they just branded as Antique 107. Okay. And it, it we again, we have no idea how long it's been aged, but we know in theory it is at, all right, it's not in theory at uh, cast strength because it doesn't say that. It's just at a higher proof. This one is at 90 proof, and that one you said is at 107, 107 yep. which is significantly higher yeah i i'm guessing that when they're making that green label and the red label the special reserve and the old weller antique they are getting that flavor profile they want with blending a bunch of barrels that's right? right and then some of them they're watering down to the 90 proof, that's right and some of it they're doing the getting it to 107 that's right and so it's that, I mean, they, that, they that would be my guess batch. as well yeah. right yeah that's right they they decide what percentage of it is going to be the red label and what percentage of it will be the the green label in fact <laughs> Probably they'll, uh, you know, because once you start watering it down, it it pushes it out, right? Yep. So, 
Okay, and so then this is the same mash bill. Uh, I, what strength is this? This is, uh, is so this is 90 proof as well. Yeah. So same mash bill, same proof as a special reserve, but it's been aged longer. Yeah, so being an, having an age statement, which these days is, is a lot less common for bourbon. It used to be pretty common. Not so much anymore. So that means that everything in that bottle is at least 12 years old. Some could be older. So what do you think? It it tastes a lot closer to a rye to me than to a bourbon. It doesn't taste... The last time I... It's my palate for sure, but the last time I tried that, it tasted way woodier than this. This does not seem overly woody to me at this point. So I believe, right. I mean, I, I guess that's good. That's a good thing. You know, that's that's the crazy thing. Our taste buds are changing all the time, yeah. right? Uh, and so something you didn't like five years ago, you might like today. Yep. Um, I, I kept thinking that as I tried more and more whiskey that I would find bourbon more and more palatable. And it hasn't really happened. But, uh, but I do like rye. Um, and this to me tastes a lot closer to a rye i just it has less of the sweetness and more of the spiciness of of a rye and so maybe maybe aging it longer so most bourbons are made with some rye as part of their grain yeah right? I, be I believe so yeah yeah i mean w which is why something like uh, what did you call it mellow corn Yes, mellow so, corn. Mellow corn is 100% corn, right? I believe so. And and it's a really cheap whiskey, right? $10. Yeah. And so it, that makes sense, right? The cheap the cheap bourbons or whiskeys are the ones with the cheapest grain. I mean, it's just that it's simple. It's a federal subsidy happening in your... <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the one that tastes like ethanol. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's I mean, probably... Yeah. <laughs> but, you know most of your bourbons will have some rye just just to kind of i feel like it's to cut that over overly sweet taste yep. that corn comes with it and so there's obviously rye in this because i tasted it in the antique 107 and now i'm tasting it in the well of 12 so there's definitely some rye in it and the aging maybe allows the rye to to um uh, catch up on the flavor of the so corn a little maybe, bit. Maybe the corn gets mellowed out a little yeah, bit, and it makes maybe the, that's what it is. The other and, and so the rye stands out a little bit better. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. It, and it could be some combination of. Oh, so so this and this are the same proof. Those just listening, he's saying that the green label and the yes, black label, the sorry. twelve and the special reserve, same proof. This and this. Oh yeah, good point. I forgot that we we are on uh, several different mediums. Yep. Or if someone's driving and they're only half watching because they That's shouldn't right. be watching at all. Yeah. They might want to hear it so they don't get I mean, wrecked. Yeah. So so just in case you're not sure, uh, we are available on Spotify. Yep. And Apple Podcasts yep. and YouTube and um, Facebook, kind of. Facebook will lead you to one of those places. That's right. That's yep. right. So there are links on Facebook to get to the other social media sites so there you go. um I, I i will tell you that i listen to these uh as they get published mostly because i, I found our conversations to be interesting and so it's nice to kind of relive them and uh be like oh yeah that was 
oh, those were great points that we had there. Yeah, and sometimes like I'm like, oh, wait, I know what I'm trying to say here, and it's not quite coming out right. <laughs> well, so like maybe next time I'll know, know how to say and, it right. And and they don't get published necessarily in chronological order that we recorded them in, right? Yep. So uh, we we definitely ha- published an episode on on creationism. Uh, and then we published an episode on like the end times. Uh, Jason used a really fancy word when he, when he published it called eschatology. Yep. <laughs> and I was all like, man, I don't remember doing an episode on eschatology. And then I what did we to talk it, about? And I was I've like, never oh, eaten snail before. Uh-oh. I don't understand. <laughs> what? Escargo. Yeah. Eschatology. It's oh, close. Okay. I mean, it yeah. was okay. Fair enough. Uh, There's one person out there who's like, I got that joke. I'm glad right, he made it. That's. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. That's free. By the way, you heard what the guy said when he saw the snail driving in the car down the street. Look at that escargot. I like it. Yep. It's not as good as eschatology. Oh, yeah. Escargo, Sorry, but. I messed up the joke. There's a big S on top of his car. That's not important. That's okay. I mean, it makes anyway. more sense now, but still. Escar. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. So, I was going to make the point <laughs> that I thought it was ironic that... Uh, in in one episode, I was making a certain point about about the nature of scripture and and whether it's literal or not. And then the very next episode that we published, you made the same point about a different aspect of scripture. Yep. And so it was like I was all like, "Hey, you recognize that this is the same point I made about Genesis?" And you're like. Oh wow! I never See, thought about that. I'm learning things through our conversation. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's what's great. Like, yeah. uh, it, it it's uh, it's interesting for us to try new things. I, I have to be honest. I probably never would have gone out of my way to try Weller. Yep. Uh, ha- had we not done this, and and I will say this: uh, the next time I'm in the store and I see Weller on the shelf, I'll probably buy some. There you go. Mission accomplished. So. So yeah, you'll probably see the green label if you do. $30 price point, red label, $45-ish, I think, if you can find it. Uh, if not, it, you know, on the bourbon dark webs, that's probably about a $110 bottle. Uh, the Weller 12, they don't make in that big size anymore, but if you have one this size, the size of the other two, the 750 milliliter, that's about a $220 bottle. Um, of the Weller 12? Yeah. And so, like... Which, it's it's are, not worth it. Is there much. any other Weller uh, that's, yeah. that's, like, um, more easily attainable than these three? The green one. The green one is the most attainable. Okay. Uh, and again, in Houston, like, Total Wine has it sometimes. Any mom and pop store has it almost all the time. Okay. Um, they do have, like, a single barrel now. These used to be the only three. A couple years ago, they, they branched out. They have a full proof now, which is a blue label. I've tried it before. I think I have a sample of it up there, actually. You want to try the sample of it if I have one? I've been no, waiting no, to open no, it. Let's not. Ah, oh, man. Okay. Sorry, um, Jason. It's, uh, it's basically was... this, but it's uh, even stronger, I guess. It's like 100, okay. 120. I don't know what it is. Oh, wow. Um, they have a single barrel now, which, I'm again, being a single barrel, it's who knows? It's hitting so, this. Um, I, I know last year, Jason and I both got to attend the uh, Houston Whiskey Social, which is, uh, by the way, uh, uh, no, nobody's paying us to plug the Houston Whiskey Social, but let me just tell Yet. you. Yet. <laughs> if you like whiskey, um, it's not a it's not a cheap ticket. I didn't pay for my ticket last year. I happened to win it um, quite fortuitously. Fortuitously. Um, and so I want to say it was a hundred-ish dollars. Yeah, they have like a VIP, which 
I'll get into in a second. And then the regular one I think is maybe eighty ish dollars. And the VIP is probably a hundred and fifty. But you get with the VIP you get in an hour earlier. You get, they they can't advertise it this way, but you get a free bottle when you leave. It's a random bottle, but they'll give you a that's right seven hundred fifty milliliter bottle of something. Yes. And and you don't get to choose it. It is definitely yeah. random. So But I mean But it, that's not the point. Who 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 cares about the bottle you get when you leave? There are tons of whiskey uh, of representatives from different distilleries there and they'll give you pours. Now they're not full pours, but they're giving you pours of whiskeys that you will never ever get to taste unless you just have bucks. Yep. And so uh you know, I think I think uh, I'm trying to think some of the highlights that I got last year. I think there was a Balvini 25. Yep. It was yeah. Which that's a how expensive is that bottle? Uh, if you can even uh, find it, one. You know, Balvini 25 is probably a $2,000 bottle. Yep. So you like know. you'll never like a bar in Texas is not going to have that. That's right. So and not, and if, if they if, did, yeah, it, it's more it, than the price it, of admission. It's going to be like 60 bucks for a pour. Uh, probably bits more than that. Yeah, I know. I'm just like It's the price it, of admission at least. That's for, right. Yeah. It'll it, you know, and so uh, I mean, they just had, I, I drank, I got to sample like four different scotches that were over 25 years, you know, which is crazy. Like, it, right. And the samples are probably even a little bit smaller than that. Yeah. But you can yeah. get back in line and have That's it again right. if you want to. Yeah. I mean, why would the you really that? fancy ones are, are going to have a long line? So, yep. but we went to that, uh, <sighs> What was it, Murray and Son? Alexander that, Murray. That, that, Alexander Murray. Yeah, the Alexander Man, Murray there table. Some good bottles there. Holy mackerel! They had some stuff that was just phenomenal. I did get back in line there yep. because that was the best kept secret. That table was the best kept secret in the whole building. But uh, so the reason I brought it up is because I feel like you you paid for the VIP because you were supposed to get a special pour of something, right? Yeah, so I did. Yes, I got the VIP. I stayed up till midnight because it went on sale right after midnight, and with that, I got the uh, a a class that you can get in even earlier. And the class lets you try like it's a tasting of whatever it is. So they could do they do one for Pappy. We did one for um the uh, what do they call it the antique collection from Buffalo Trace. So like okay. there's a. a another Weller version, which is even super fancier that's in that. So it's a flight of okay. like, these things and you get to try them. So, so that's what I was asking about. Cause I, I thought you had, you had sampled, you had chosen the Weller. Yeah. Well with, with that, it one you, there was a Weller that you could have in that flight. Okay. Yeah. And I think that might've been, there was a, uh, somebody didn't show up to the class and they had extra glasses there and they let some people to walk away with one. So I walked away with one of them. It may have been, the 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 Weller that you tried it was either that or the George T Stag because we found you out there and I was like hey you have to try this it's a fancy bourbon you'll never try and you're like I guess so I vaguely remember that I, I had I had a lot of whiskey that night and, and I don't mean that to say I became impaired I mean to be fair I think we all got rides there and then we all Ubered home right oh we Ubered home yeah. together yeah there were three of us um but. There was, it, it was so overwhelming. Yes. Your, your senses just, you know, it's like, imagine you ate saltine crackers your whole life and then suddenly you get the richest food you've ever had. It's just, it's just overwhelming. It's not that any of it was bad. 
It's just at some point, uh, your senses can no longer tolerate the bombardment of uh, overwhelming flavors. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool event. I'm not going to be able to make it this year. Unfortunately, they yeah. scheduled it at the same time as a, another well, event that I did. I didn't pay for my ticket last year, so I'm not going to go this year. Mostly because half of the enjoyment would be going with, with a buddy or a yeah, friend. Yeah, it, so. it wouldn't be as fun if you're on your But own. I'm hoping my son, who's getting out of the Army soon, uh, I'm hoping next year we can buy tickets together. He's, oh, a, man, yeah. he's a huge whiskey fan. In fact, right now he's, he's looking for a job. <laughs> This guy's a military intelligence. You should see his resume. It's ridiculous. Uh, he's been part of the 5th and 10th Special Forces groups, and he is uh, he wants to be a distiller. <laughs> so he, he's seeking a distillery job right now. Which so so is, tax deductible tickets for <laughs> right? Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I can get him to volunteer to go be one of the representatives. Now, I'm pretty sure they pay local people to do that. They are so. looking. Uh, I saw a post. I don't know if they're still looking, but they're always looking for volunteers for that. So basically, you get there early. You can you get to try. The other thing about the event is they come out with, not at the booths, but randomly people who are working the event will come out with a bottle of something. Like there was a uh, Old Forester, not Old Forester, uh, Four Roses bourbon oh, bottle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was like from the late 60s, early yeah. 70s, and it hadn't been opened yet. And he opened it on the floor, and everyone's coming up and holding their glasses up, and he's pouring a little bit for everybody. Yeah. And it's like that kind of stuff you can try in the back room before it comes out to the table if it's open or whatever. And they're looking for volunteers, so you work half the event, and the other half you get to try stuff. So there you go if you want a free are, ticket. Are you going to be disappointed if I drink some more of this? Go for it. Okay. I have another bottle sitting no, over there. Good deal. I, I was going to say, like, we uh, – we typically uh, will sample while we start to talk about theology, and I, I think we've kind of run course on our whiskey discussion. I think you're probably today, right. So. Where, um, where are we ending up with our uh, theological discussion? So, so I, th I think um, considering that we are well into election season, and, and I know that there are some, there's kind of a robust thought with regard to uh, how Christians should mix politics with their with their uh, faith, I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk a little bit about that, especially considering like in America today, um, politics in general have become so polarized. There's no, there's no middle ground. There is no quarter. You're either for us or against us. You know, I feel like it's, it's a discussion of the Sith, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's uh, I I feel like when I talk about politics, you know, I take my lightsaber and say, only the Sith speak in absolutes, Anakin. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about that, about how how we feel, um, we should respond as Christians to to politicians, to policy, what are we dictated by Christ to vote for or against? people or policy or none of the above so yeah. uh and, and i thought i'd started off by by talking a little bit about my own kind of journey with regard to that uh, i Make i grew up so. i grew up uh very conservative um the first election i got to vote in uh happened to be the 1992 presidential election in which um, bill clinton beat george hw bush i guess uh, the older George Bush, I think he's H.W., but uh, um, 
And it just so happened that there were some, the, I lived in Houston at the time. My parents had moved to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, but I had my own apartment. And it, it, it happened that there were some protesters outside the Republican National Convention, which was held at the Astrodome that year. And um, they were, the these um, protesters were all pro-life protesters. Uh, which is also kind of a hot topic these days. And they were all arrested for encroaching on some space that they were not supposed to encroach upon to protest. Was, can I interject sure. a question real quick? Was it as hot of a topic then in 92, you said, as it is now or it has been in the past 10 years, you think? Um, that uh, I mean, I guess media was different. Then, so it's hard that, to, to it, judge it, that, right? it is definitely hard to judge. I was... I was 19, so, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know. I had very strong convictions about it. Um, I guess you're just getting into the political arena, that's, so to that, speak. That, so. That's right. And to be fair, I was a relatively new Christian. Though I'd attended church my whole life, <laughs> I, I, had only, uh, I had only been what I would consider a true follower of Christ for, you know, uh, maybe about two years. Okay. So... Anyway, so continue. Um, they're they're protesting. Yeah, it, it, it's, so um, the, these protesters got arrested. The judge, the local judge, um, chose not to arraign them. They got arrested on like a Thursday evening. Chose not to arraign them on Friday. They sat in jail all weekend. These are these are pretty normal people that were protesting against uh, the Republican National Convention's stance on abortion. They they expected them to be against abortion and they were taking a pretty neutral stance of well that's not the aspect of politics we want to get into and so the local judge um didn't arraign them until monday so they sat in jail all weekend these are people probably with kids yeah you know probably good church going people if you want to look at it that way not that weekend they weren't and so the republican national convention was sometime in the summer and there, be, there became this huge write-in campaign to oust this judge for doing this because hmm. the people uh, of the area, and she happened to be in my district at the time where I lived because I lived in Houston in an apartment that I rented. And so um, there was a big write-in campaign to, to oust her because they felt like what she did was inappropriate and politically motivated. And so I remember... Um, you know, the election happens on a Tuesday, right? And so, like you said, there there's no internet. <laughs> there is zero internet in 1992. Or if there is, it's only government people, right? Yep. There's no common man having internet. I mean, I'm pretty sure AOL is fairly nothing. It, it's next to nothing. Yep. It's mostly carrier pigeons. So, right. So the, so the only real news is nightly news and, and the newspaper. The newspaper is a big source of information at this time. Uh, so the election happens um, on Tuesday. On Wednesday, the newspaper comes out, declares all these winners. On Thursday, they have to retract a bunch of winners because this huge. So the, the way it worked at the time was right in. Write in ballots. So if if I write in anybody on my ballot, nobody on my ballot is counted until 
you understand what I'm saying? Like my whole ballot is separated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then it's put in a different stack. To that's be right. Later. And so, so they do all that counting on Wednesday. So on Thursday they announce, I don't remember now. It was something like six, five or six different local elections. Who, someone who was declared the winner on Tuesday night. We're not on Thursday. We're no longer winners. Yeah. And, and the people who didn't win were generally, uh, so let me rephrase, the people who did win were generally the conservative-ish candidates because people who wrote in for this judge, so the judge ended up winning, but all these write-in ballots made a difference in all these other elections. Huh. And so it was, here I was 19, and I saw how my actual ballot and the people who thought like me, how it changed from Tuesday night to Thursday morning, you know, yeah, that's uh, crazy. what a big difference it made. So, so to a certain extent, it made me feel like I had this imperative to be part of this process. Okay. Um, but, but as time goes by, I become more and more jaded with the process. Yeah. I feel, uh, more and more disgruntled with the people who are representing me because no, even when, even when people that I voted for, win, I, I find that they, that, that, you know, I know that this is going to be a shock to all you people. Okay. Don't tell me they're not telling the truth. Don't, <laughs> but, I can't handle it. But the politicians don't do what they say, <laughs> See, <nope. laughs> which is, which is crazy. We're going to need and, a five and, minute break. <laughs> so I can hold on. I, I need a sip of some Weller 12 here. Um, I think he's lying. The politicians always tell the truth. And so then so. we fast forward to, you know, like, uh, I voted for Bush twice. Um, I voted for McCain against Obama in the first time. I did not vote for either Obama or Mitt Romney. And, and then, you know, then we get to 2016, which I, I feel like was a really pivotal election. And so this is when um, I spent a lot of time asking myself, not asking myself, I, I in prayer, I sought, well, you know, what is my role in all this? What am I supposed to do? Should I even participate? Is participating in the American political process part of my duty as a Christian or should I like Christ basically ignore the political aspects of, of everything? I mean, I feel like in many ways he basically told the Jews and the Romans, I'm not part of your stupid process. You can do with me what you want, but I'm not part of your stupid process. I'm not playing your games. Yeah. I mean, is is that? No, I, I, I yes, I, okay. I, can, I, I don't know if I, yeah, I completely agree with that. So I spent a lot of time asking myself the the question. So it, it had definitely become cliche at that point. What would Jesus do, right? But I really felt like, okay, I want to honor him. And, and I'm tired of compromising my beliefs to vote for someone that is just not palatable. <laughs> you know, yep. C- Caesar A and Caesar B are both... Caesar no it's still in a five dollar pizza That's, uh, when you could be getting something much better. Wow. Sorry, keep going. No, it's pizza pizza. Yep. There are still terrible choices that, either way. That's that, the point. That, that was that was just it. And um 
in many ways, I'd become a one, uh, a one policy voter at that point, a one issue voter. Sorry, that's yep. a better way. Um, and so the, <laughs> there was only one voting issue that I felt like was imperative. Sure, I, I, I think as Christians, <laughs> as Christians, we'd all like to have like certain benefits from the government, right? Whether that's, uh, and I'm not trying to disparage anyone or pigeonhole anyone, whether that's uh, less taxes or more benefit from the taxes we pay, like uh, more services from the government, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like people to be held accountable for their poor decisions or whether I feel like the government should help people out when they're in trouble. Either way, um, uh, those policies to me are nice policies but at the end of the day they're just not an imperative from christ yeah so i i felt like uh in 2016 acutely i felt like oh he's one of these people represent the values that i hold true uh when i walk my daily christian life uh you know they don't Need and and I'm talking specifically about the presidential candidates, right? Because uh, obviously we had uh, there there are other people on the ballot other than just the presidential candidates. I think in um, was it 2016? What do you remember when uh, Ted Cruz ran up ran against Beto O'Rourke? I guess that was 18, maybe it had to be 18. Yeah, because he was in the presidential had primary. To be, yeah, that's right. In in sixteen, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and so so, um, I, I I'm just thinking about the candidates that that were potentially down the line. All right, so I I couldn't pallet either one of those presidential candidates. And to clarify, 2016. So that was Hillary and Trump. That's right. right? It was. Okay. Yep, it was Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and. I couldn't, I couldn't find, and and I'm not trying to judge them and their potential walk with Christ because that's not my role. Like, if 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 they claim to be Christian, then that claim is between them and Christ. What if I suggested to you that I believe the exact opposite? That that it is our that we don't have. Uh, this is a thought experiment. Okay, but, but we don't have the right to judge people outside of the church, but people who claim to be a part of the church, those are the ones we're supposed to be judging. Uh, I don't disagree with that, but, but how can I judge someone when I don't really know them? Fair enough. I, you know, so, so like if they claim to be part of my church, my individual community of believers, yes, in theory, I should be worshiping and, and around them enough to be able to judge them. Yeah. That's a church church discipline situation right. i guess which right that's maybe worth talking about in a podcast at some point um sorry go ahead i'm just no, I'm, no that, to, to clarify that that's I'm, I'm thinking through a book that i just finished like last week that is completely flipped what i think about this conversation okay um not completely but it's it's definitely changed some things and so that was a part of that that book was talking about how as christians it's not our job job to judge people outside of the church that's like 
we preach you, the gospel you're and right. the Holy Spirit convicts. Right? That's right. But people, and they and, will be judged if they don't submit. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's that's that's the job of the Holy Spirit, not us, right? And so, and, and I don't, this is new to me, so I'm still thinking through some of these things. But I think that makes sense. And so then, I think what you said is right. Like inside of our local church, people that we are in fellowship with, I think it is our it is our job as the church collective to. Um, I don't know if judge is the right word, but hold, like hold, hold each account, other accountable. Hold accountable that's right. Yeah. But yes, to your point. So if they claim to be Christians, but we don't know anything about them or what we do know, we, we've never met them in person. Okay. That, that's not now, the greatest situation right. for so, judging people. So, but we, we can judge their actions as non-Christian. And, and if they don't, if there are actions to which they acknowledge actually happened, right. And that, and those actions are obviously like they're wrong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we can judge that. We can say, uh, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. First of all, there's no way as a follower of Christ that you can justify sex outside of marriage. And to the, to the extent that you're grabbing a hold of women uh, in a way that, that implies you have some kind of sexual contact with them outside of marriage. That's wrong. So we can, we can say this thing, you this here, that's a wrong thing. That's right. That's right. We, I mean, we can definitely say that is wrong. And, and to the extent which the person that is told they're wrong does or does not repent. We, we can judge that, right? Okay, well, this person was told this was wrong and they didn't repent. So obviously, um, you know, they would be, if they were in my church, we would exercise discipline. Yeah. So, so I judged both of those individuals to be, both of them claimed to be Christians. Uh, and both of them exhibited behaviors for which they didn't, they have not repented, or if they have, I'm unaware of it. To so, be fair, when was the last time that someone, a major candidate in a U.S. presidential election, did not claim to be a Christian? Can you even do that and get uh, that far sure. in this in the process? Well, now now you're gonna is that part of the now you're gonna edge on a uh, a, a different topic, but uh, uh. I'm pretty sure that Mitt Romney claims to be LDS, which which they believe to be a, a sect of Christianity. Right, I understand what you're saying. F- fair enough. Yeah, uh, some people would consider them Christians. They themselves would consider them Christians, and some people would not. I think nominal nominal Christians would just view them as weird Christians, whereas evangelicals would say that's not Christianity. Does that make sense? Okay. Like you're yeah, like right. here's the ones that are weird. Here's the ones that are weird and wear weird underwear. Like that's the two <laughs> and weird. Wear weird underwear. Yeah, they got their like. their holy underwear situation there happening. That's a whole other topic. We'll see what our wow. makeup. The of. dad jokes <laughs> are flowing today, except so. they really do sp- wear special holy underwear. So that's what the, I mean. Okay, yeah. Well, another I, conversation. I, I, anyway, the uh, okay. political thing. So you're in 2016. This is a uh, a so, lynch so point. So then, yeah, the I would say that uh, I can't recall the last time a presidential candidate. Uh, did not claim to be a a Christian. In fact, I would say that there were a lot of folks that tried to paint Barack Obama as as non-Christian, and he steadfastly held to the 
to the statement that he was a Christian, that he was a follower of Christ. So, yeah. um, anyway, uh, I went through that whole election cycle very um, flustered because I felt like I was torn to to a certain extent as to really what would Jesus do. Uh, and the conviction, the personal conviction that I ended up with was, well, he wouldn't have anything to do with either one of these people. He would say <laughs> what he said to Peter. But yet, you know, it, it, if my kingdom were of this world, then you would fight. But it's not. Right? I, I, I'm really paraphrasing, but Peter cuts off a guy's ear, right? And Jesus says, yep. you know, the, you don't need to fight because this is not where the fight is. And so uh, that, you know, that's a tough thing for me because I am a, I am a fighter. I am a, uh, someone who has logic and beliefs and I, I like to present those. In fact, probably... I did more harm than good by getting into arguments on uh, social media. Not because I was voting for the candidate. It's just because I felt like some of the things that were said about some of the candidates were just not fair or not appropriate. So I ended up defending candidates that I did not like personally and did not yep. vote for. Oh, I got tricked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was pretty sad. So... Uh, then fast forward to 2020, um, I felt like I, I didn't feel like the character of any of the candidates was any better. Uh, we had a couple candidates that I felt like were just like politicians. They they say things and then don't do them or they say the things they feel like will get them elected and then we'll do what they want. However, uh, I felt like one of the candidates might um, satisfy the issue for which I am a big proponent. Uh, that's probably not the right way to say it. There is an issue uh, politically that I feel like is as close to being Christian as any other issue. Okay. Uh, and so I think uh, so I'll lay a little bit of backstory. By the way, I've been doing all the talking, so I feel really bad. But that's fine. I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm building things up. I'm like in in 2006, my wife and I moved to Southern Mississippi to be house parents at a children's group home. So this is this is a home where uh, kids whose parents were in jail or kids who um, were about to go into the system. And some judge knew if this kid gets in the system, it's this, over. It, yeah, it's over. Yeah. They they would send them to us. Um, so I was there for three years, and and that's how I knew I needed to become a teacher. And uh, it, it became evident to me that that uh, supporting children was kind of my calling in life. So that kind of led me into this whole. Um, uh, I think uh, abortion is probably uh, a political policy that Christians should fall down on one side of. <laughs> That's going to sound really harsh to some folks. It's just where I am on that. Um, and so I felt like that there was one political candidate in 2020, one presidential candidate, I should say, that would 
aid in the fight to stop abortion. So I ended up voting for that candidate. Uh, it was one of those, I went into the ballot box and I, I spent a lot of time praying and thinking like, should I really vote for this guy? Uh, I had said I was going to vote for him publicly to friends and, and other people. Um, but I still, at the last minute, almost didn't. Like, should I do this? I, I almost didn't. Yep. I almost just said, uh, you know what? Uh, if it's God's will for him to be elected, then then God will elect him and do his will. And if it's not, then then at least I know I didn't I didn't have to vote for someone who I found find so unpalatable. And so, uh, regardless, we are where we are today. Uh, 2022 we're about to have a, a new set of elections <sighs> thank goodness I don't have to uh, vote for a presidential candidate that I find completely unpalatable um, but it leads me to the question of that's, what's that's been my whole life by the way <laughs> sure I understand that brother <laughs> so. I, I told, uh, what was your first political election so I, I'm 2002 I don't know, 2004? It was McCain, mm. like, for pre- like the first presidential election that I voted in, which I think was the first actual election I voted in, was McCain and Obama, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you who I voted for. It wasn't either one of them. Um, I've never voted Republican or Democrat in a presiden- presidential election. Okay. And, and at this point, I don't want to say never. I'm never going to say never. At this point, I don't know that that'll ever happen. Sure. Um, so I voted, uh, I think at that point, it was like the Constitution Party was a thing. So okay. Castle, maybe. Okay. Daryl Castle comes to mind. I have no idea. If you Google it and he has, says some weird things, it's not my fault. And I didn't mean it. <laughs> uh, but it was a third party, right? And, and I've always voted sure. third party. Yeah. Um, but that was the first one. Um, I, I view... So I think some of the problem... With, uh, there's so many ways I want to go from the, from where we've been talking. I'm trying right. to decide where to start. Um, I'll start with this. I think we do a disservice. I think uh, modern media does a disservice to the election process when they say that it is it is your responsibility as an American citizen to vote. Right. I don't think that's true. I think it's a privilege you have as an American citizen, and and it's a right that you have. But I think it's exactly like the right to bear arms. As an American, you have the right to own a firearm. It is irresponsible for you to own a firearm if you don't know how to use it. That's right. You should study it up. You should train on it. And then you should own one. If you haven't done that, if you have not studied the candidates, you don't know what you're talking about, and you just saw something on TV that you liked, or your friends are saying this guy's the best guy, and you go vote for that person, that's irresponsible. So if you have not done the legwork, you should not be voting. Um, so I think we do a disservice, you know, and, and I think the intention of that is like the, the powers that be don't care the reason people are voting. Right? Sure. It's just cause they're trying to, they get just their, want people just, to yeah, vote for to get your numbers. Sure. But I, I think that's important for us to think about that. Like we should not just be thinking, uh, you know, well, so I'm a Christian, so it means I have to vote Republican. So uh, uh, let me just vote, right. you know, and there's a large portion of th- that. No, there there are. That's why I thought this was a good topic, because the Republican Party is not the Christian Party. No. And in, in, in the past, 
I mean, I guess it started in the in the 80s, I, I'm guessing. Is uh, the, the... Yeah, probably the, the late 80s. It, in fact, I would say uh, it it really got popularized with the with the Clinton Bush election is uh, they started calling it the the, um, the Christian right. Yeah. Which <laughs> which was their way. And, and part of the reason why that happened is because Bill Clinton was a lech. I mean, there's no, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that George H.W. Bush was a great guy. I'm talking about from a personal perspective. In fact, I know somebody uh, that I met uh, when he was going to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth who would tell you that George H.W. Bush was not a great guy, that he did not have the morals that he presented to the rest of the world. Um, But regardless of all that, everybody knew that Bill Clinton was was what we know him for now. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it was. And so the, you know, the big talking point during that election was, Hey, uh, you know, this guy's immoral. And so a lot of folks that were right ish or not even right ish. A lot of folks that were just, uh, you know, they became Reagan voters in, in the eighties, uh, you know, kind of, and, and they also kind of went to church. They started identifying themselves as a hundred percent Republican because the Republican party was the party of morals. Yep. So the, the, yeah, I mean, I was born in 87. So all I know really about that is what I've read and, and what I, the, the outworkings of it from growing up. Right. Because I, I mean, I grew up in the, in the early nineties, Till now, that's how right. growing up works, um, and you know, so I, I I've seen what that's become, and it's only kind of recently that I've I've read the history behind a lot of it, and it's it's to the point where like I struggle calling myself evangelical at this point because evangelical is because more, it's become a caricature. It's it's a political term more yeah. than anything else at this point, right? right. Um, which that's not good. Um, yeah. So we we had a podcast not long ago where I describe myself as a fundamentalist and uh, that immediately set bells off in my head. Right. (laughs) But, but really probably a better description at least to characterize my beliefs would have been evangelical. Uh, The only aspect is you know, there's no telling what the caricature that would have come up in your mind and the listener's mind. If, if I had used that term, that's, that's my main point. Yeah. I mean, that. well, that's a problem with term. I mean, it's the same, right. It's the Calvinist conversation, right? Like it's the same reason that I don't love calling myself a Calvinist because there are, well, yeah, there are connotations that people take with that. Right. And that's it's maybe right. more closely. It's why I don't call myself reformed anymore is because in some circles that means something entirely different than it does in specific small Southern Baptist reform circles. Yeah. We can say that we're on the same page, but outside of that has a totally different meaning. Anyway, the point is, um, you know, over the past two to three years, just reading different things, uh, has, has kind of changed my perspective a lot on the politics thing. And it's, like I said, specifically, so the book that I, I just finished last week, I don't even know how I ran across it. I think it was recommended, recommended to me on Audible. What's, what's it called? It's called not in it to win it by Andy Stanley. Uh-oh. I, I've, I don't know anything about Andy Stanley except I think his dad was, was Charles Stanley, right? Okay. 
right? Who was like, I guess, a Southern Baptist radio big guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, for whatever reason, it was it was uh, recommended to me. I thought it was interesting for some things I was thinking about at the point at that point. So I was like, well, let me read this. And uh, his first book book I've read from him. I've never heard him preach, uh, and I kind of loved the book. And that's got me thinking now. Again, I haven't landed on any of this, so this is this is me thinking through these things. But his his idea was like he said, I didn't want to write this book, but after seeing how churches dealt with the pandemic. Uh, I felt like I felt compelled to write this book. And it's some of the things we've talked about, like how churches dealt with disagreements on vaccines and masks, masks and all these yeah. things. Right. Um, and his argument in that book is that to, to your point that you just said earlier was that if you look at scripture and what Jesus did, like he had the only part that he had to do with politics at the time was getting crucified by the politics. At the That's time. right. Like other than that, he was like, I don't need it. That's it doesn't right. matter. Um, yeah, and every time the the Pharisees tried to make something political, he just threw it back in their face. Yep. So, what, I guess all this leads up to me in you know growing up. I mean, I have a T shirt in my closet, two walls that way, that says uh, ab- "Abortion is murder, murder." Right. Okay. Uh, I bought this when I was in high school, sure. and uh, I think that's what, true. What size is that shirt? <laughs> it's an extra large. It probably needs another uh, X in front of it at this point. Dang. We'll I was going to say, can I buy it from you? But it's <laughs> it's not big enough. So. Uh, and then it has like the number of, you know, you know, babies killed since whatever. Uh, so I still think abortion is murder, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as I used to. Meaning I think that's become a political carrot for sure. Christians. I mean, or and, evangelicals. And, 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 uh, well, you know, it's become a political carrot for people that are not Christian. You know, to yep. to stop the uh, the religious right from uh, enforcing their religious beliefs on you. So well, the the thing that's interesting from some stuff that I've been reading is evidently before the early to mid eighties, the abortion conversation was not not talked about in it, Christian circles. It was pretty quiet. Yeah, and then it blew up from the political side of things, and then. It's been a whole thing until so, relatively recently with Roe versus Wade. Uh, it, it's possible you could say that. I mean, I, I will say this. From the moment that I was politically aware, it was the main issue that I voted on. And and my first political election was 92. Um, I think that there were plenty of people, there are plenty of people from my generation that have donated tons of money and tons of time to getting rid of something that we see as a legal evil. Yeah. And, you know, you you contrast that with something like uh, the war against drugs. I think most people, uh, most Christians, uh, or people who fall into the camp that I fall into with regard to our belief about abortion, most of them would say, we think doing drugs is wrong. We're going to try and keep our kids from doing drugs. But at the end of the day, like it, it it's not a church issue, you know, uh, because, because doing drugs is just a sin, just like any other sin. Um, whereas, what whereas, about, what about Tylenol? Sorry. That's another cover. That's another episode. <laughs> right. Put that in the spreadsheet. Uh, we're not talking about, taking medicine 
we're talking about doing drugs. Well, drugs. Medicine is drugs. I mean, we gotta. We can't talk. About, we can't get off track. But we gotta add that to the list. Because <laughs> I'm trying. I, I'm not gonna say some things that I want to say. But what if you take Tylenol on the Sabbath? <laughs> oh! Jason's brain explodes. I can't handle it. Sorry, that's just me tweaking Sabbath Jason. No <laughs> because because <laughs> I know what Jason feels about the Sabbath. That's amazing, I, let me rephrase. I don't know. I just know a little bit. You know, this, saying the word gets J- me. Jason wants to have a whole episode on the Sabbath, and I'm trying to avoid it. So, episode on the Sabbath, <laughs> episode on on drugs, and what what that what that okay, even means. Fair enough. Those don't, those are separate episodes. Uh, okay, okay, all right. Politics. Go ahead. Okay, back back to this. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about our role as Americans. Let me interject. By sure. the way, if you are not American and you're listening to this, um, sorry, because this is that's all we know when we're talking about that's politics. Right. I mean, maybe you can connect some of this with your political system, but anyway, go uh, ahead. And and if you have a different perspective about our role as as followers of Christ, like I would love to hear it because uh, you know. I, I certainly don't have it made. <laughs> I, I certainly am not like settled on my way is the right way. But uh, Americans have this beautiful document from a secular perspective known as uh, the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. It uh, Technically, the Bill of Rights is the first 10 enumerated. Enumer- uh, I can't say that word. Enumerated. <laughs> I was. Uh, I don't even, I even yeah, try. enumerated uh, rights in the Constitution, and the Constitution is all of the rights that have been enumerated. But um, it got me to thinking about like, okay, as Christians, in many ways, if you look at the example given by Christ. Are we, are we supposed to be exerting our rights? Uh, is that, is that a Christ-like attitude to say to the government, "No, I have this right, and you will um, treat me accordingly." And so may, maybe this discuss, part of the discussion is outside of politics, but to me, it's intertwined because. Uh, it, it really is it really is integral to understanding our role as voters if we understand what is appropriate for us to do with regard to um, exerting our rights. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at Paul, Paul exerted his rights as a Roman citizen, right? Right, so. So did he do that in sin? No, I don't think so. No, I think he used it, what it was cost him his life. Does that imply sin? I mean, no, no, not necessarily. No, I mean, I, I guess, it, it may have just been simply the cost that Christ was asking him to pay for servicing him. I mean, for serving him, right? So, uh, I, I'm not saying it implies sin. I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I just, I think with so specifically with Paul, like he was. Um, I probably should have the Bible in front of me. I don't have it all in my head. It's about 80, okay. 80% is memorized. Um, so as a Roman citizen, Paul couldn't was not supposed to be flogged 
right? Because right. he was a higher status by being sure, a Roman sure, citizen. Sure. I mean, and so he it, used, it's the same thing as he had a right to. Um, uh, now I can't think of the right term. Um, it's he, probably Latin. He, he, <laughs> right, it is. He had a right to um, to be heard before some type of magistrate before yep. something was decided. Whereas if you were not a Roman citizen, you know the local the local cop could decide you're guilty of something. Yeah. And so do I guess too. my point of that is that he claimed that right as a Roman citizen, right? He which did. I don't think was wrong. I think that was using okay. what was what was given to him. So. I think I don't know that it makes sense to completely remove ourselves from the political okay. situation, but I do think that where we stand now in America, evangelicals are way too engrossed in in the political system. Okay, right. Um, I, I'm still thinking through these things. I've gone through phases. Like growing up, I was like, I didn't think you could be a Democrat and a Republican, right? Like that's how I grew up, and then. As I got older, right around the voting age time, I couldn't, I couldn't vote for McCain. And then after that, I kind of realized that I was more libertarian. But then some of the libertarian candidates were kind of goofy, so that was made that difficult. Um, I think that we, it, the problem with with what I see in with Christians voting Republican only or the evangelical political term is that we are requiring something from unbelievers that yeah doesn't make any sense right like why would we expect an unregenerate person to act like a regenerate right. person no you're right and, and then if that's the case so it doesn't do us any good to enforce heart changes on people does that make sense sure. like sinful people are going to sin and so if we if we just try to force them to do something that we see as less sinful that doesn't do anything for their soul, right? And what so what is it doing? Is it making us feel good? Is do we think it gets them closer to heaven? Like So so what do you mean by that enforcing things that will make them less sinful? Um, like give me an example like of so, what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so like like homosexual marriage, right? So Okay. So no, this no. may not be a perfect example, but I'll run with it. Uh, so first okay. of all, let me let me start by saying this. I don't think the government has any right to be involved in marriage whatsoever. Okay. I'm, so, I'm okay with that. So I think that's the church's job. Sure. So whether, so if the government decides that, that a man and a man can get married, it, if it's not done by the church, it's not marriage to begin with. Right. So if they, they want to put them in a, whatever you want to call it, like a, a they're connected, right? This sure. is my life partner. And now they get tax benefits. Fine. That's great. Like as a Christian, I, why do I have a problem with that? Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't No, No, you're right. That, that becomes more of an issue of tradition and more being offended by the fact that you're changing my tradition than it does actually become a, a, a cause for or against Christ. Right. That, that's a lot of the problems that we have within. Sure. No, no, I, 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 today, I, I, I don't disagree. Right. And, and that's my whole point of bringing up politics in general, because there's so many traditions or traditional beliefs that are caught up with our political beliefs yep. that it's, it's really difficult to distinguish those. And so, you know, and I'll be the first to say that, that I was, <laughs> I remember having a discussion in, in uh, this was early 2007. 
I, I won't explain why I know the date, but uh, I, I happen to be the only person that had that ascribed to conservative beliefs working at a at a um, uh, an answering service. And I remember we were talking about the issue of of gay marriage and uh, one of the other people said, well, you know, my biggest issue is you, you claim to be a Christian and yet you're okay with discrimination. <laughs> you know, my snarky response was, I'm not okay. I'm not okay with discrimination. Well, you think it's okay to discriminate against gay people. And I'm like, no, they're allowed to marry whoever they want. As long as whoever they want is of the opposite sex. That's the same thing with everybody else. And, uh, so, so I remember kind of being in that camp, but, yeah. but, but in many ways you're right. I mean, it's no, <laughs> it's differentiating the idea of, I think Christians oftentimes get caught up with a pet sin yep. that they want to rail against. 100% agree with you there. And, and, you know, like, and, and so, uh, you know, I know I know many Christians that would be like they they would point at someone that was in a homosexual relationship and be like, that's sin. But they would not point at people in their own congregation that they knew were in uh, a heterosexual relationships where they were having heterosexual sex and they weren't married. And and in Christ's eyes, those are the same thing, <laughs> you know, uh, at least according to the Bible that I read, the, those are the same thing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's a function of tradition over following the heart of Christ's law. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so a little bit what I've been thinking in the past, I mean, I'm sure we're going over at this point, yeah, but I'm okay with it. Pretty long people. The 47 people going to watch this are super. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this book not in it to win it was talking more about it was that was the conversation about how Christ was not involved with the politics of the time and so what does that do to our witness when people right. think of us as as well, yeah. as politicians and or, not as or, I mean how can you witness to someone who is uh, in their politics very progressive and then at the same time publicized that you voted for Donald Trump. It, it's a really, it's, it's a challenge because they can't see past that to hear your message. Yep. That's exactly the point that he was making. And, and so it's in many ways, it's similar to me coming in and offering you meat that has been sacrificed to idols and you can't get past that. The, the only difference is in theory, we're both believers and those folks aren't. So how could I expect them to get past something that I can't even expect my own brother or sister to get past? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it, it's what led me to the idea that, that maybe our role in politics as an American is to, is to seek God every time and never publicize who it is you're going to vote for. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm leaning more that way now. I, again, this I've been thinking about this a lot more in the past week, and, and I haven't landed anywhere yet. But I think, I think where I'm landing now is that 
we should be we should not remove ourselves completely from politics but at least speaking for myself i should care about it 200 percent less than i do right yeah, now. yeah 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 and what that means is you know i live in a suburb of houston and there was a runoff for our may- mayor election mayoral election uh it was too close to call and we had to come back a couple weeks later and vote on it again and we had enough issues with our last mayor that i you know so i went to go vote in that local election and and i felt compelled to do that and i think that's probably more important for me than the presidential election anyway it probably affects me a little bit more anyway i I Um, also voted in that runoff yeah oh yeah we're in the same that's right we we live in the same city yes that's Um, right and so in fact i i recall us discussing the fact that uh, we were happy with who won that election so you know i i mean i think i i guess it should be less about winning less about landing on a team and more about how can i care for those around me and then even in the way that we care about those around us, I think to your point, maybe publicizing it less is probably healthy. Yeah. You know, like, do I want people to think of me as a Christian or do I want people to think of me as a Republican or a Democrat? Like I shouldn't care whether they think of what they think about me politically. They should think of me as this person is different because yeah. they have Jesus. Right. Yeah. So, so, so let me give a, a really prime example of that. Um, so I got a chance. We we had a pep rally at the school that I teach at uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it, here's the way pep rallies work. In case you're you're unaware, because your kids don't go to public school, um, the 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 students they have to make mums anyway to put on. That's for homecoming. Um, the students have to buy tickets to go to the pep rally. And so the pep rally is during school. They have a, a, an abbreviated schedule. And so in the last class of the day, the students that get to go to the pep rally display their tickets and they get to leave. And the rest of them sit in the class with the teacher. And so, but you're no longer teaching because technically school is op- over. So now you're babysitting. So the and, study hall, essentially. Uh, yes. And so it just so happened that... Um, and I can't remember what predicated the conversation, but the whole reason I teach is so with the desire that, that I can share my faith. So I had some students in there and they asked me a couple of questions and questions that I normally would never have delved into with regard to politics. And I, I, I specifically, oh, that's what it was. Uh, so they were talking about about guns and and Second Amendment, and uh, it just so happened, you know, they asked me because I said, "Well, I I have," and I pulled out my uh, license to carry and showed it to them. They're like, "So wait, so you carry a gun?" And so we got into all this conversation, and one of one of these students, who and, and I know for a fact the student is not a Christian. Uh, does not ascribe to the teachings of Christ, said to me, um, so if someone broke into your house, would you shoot them? And that that gave me the perfect foundation. And I I explained to them, uh, as a follower of Christ, I, I've really prayed long and hard about this ideal. And so it, here, here's my answer. No, I will not shoot anyone to save myself. I will not kill someone uh, and then deprive them of the opportunity to um to, re- to repent and- yeah that's right uh however it, if if my family is there i will 
do that to protect my family. And so I explained as a follower of Christ. And so I got to share my faith, yeah. right? Uh, and it was really, it was really interesting because then they started asking questions, you know, so what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? Uh, you know, so wait, do you think Christ really is the only way? Because uh, one of one of the students was, uh, I think she said Hindu, uh, and she said, well, we believe in Jesus too. We just don't believe he's the only way. And I was like, well, you know, according to what he said, that means you really don't believe in him because <laughs> he said he is the way. So we had this whole discussion. So it was great. I got to share my faith and it really had very little to do with politics other than a little bit of second amendment stuff. That's what led into it. That's least, right. Yeah. But, but then like a week later, 10 days later, one of the students came up to me and said, Hey, uh, I, I know that you said you're a Christian and you're probably, probably you vote Republican. So do you believe in QAnon? It's <laughs> like, what? And, and, and so I think part of the problem is we've allowed our Christian message to be co-opted by a political message that is not ours and it's not Christ. Yep. And it's a giant distraction. It, it is. For us, but also more that's so right. for people for, looking at us. That's right. That's right. Yep. And so that's what made me think this would be an interesting topic of discussion. What's our role? And, and so I think, I think kind of we both have come to a similar conclusion that regardless of our role, we should be quieter about it. Yeah, I mean, I think we should scream out Jesus from the rooftops. That's right. And we should, everything else should take a lower. That's right. We yeah. should, and we shouldn't be screaming out Ron DeSantis or, or, you know, whomever, or yep. Greg Abbott or Ted Cruz or whomever. Yeah, or and, Barack Obama. That's okay. right. That, that's right. I, I mean, I'm naming, <laughs> I'm naming political, uh, sorry, Republican names simply because we get more often associated with Republicans. Yeah. But my main point is that we, we shouldn't be advocating for a candidate out loud. Yep. And I think so. That's this is probably a conversation for another episode, but it also drives a wedge between evangelical Christian Republicans. That's right. Who and Christ Democrats. followers who are Democrats, right? Sure. A and other things, right? Sure. Like, That's right. Maybe like, they're voting for Democrats for reasons that are very godly, and we, in our own arrogance, are unwilling to pallet that. Yeah, and, and a conversation like this, sitting back to back, probably there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think we solved most of the problems. That's right. In American right, politics. Folks, tune in next week where we solve global warming. Yeah, we're going to do that next. Uh, from the uh, Christian perspective. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's an episode no one will watch. But we'll add it to the list. Global, <laughs> global right. warming from a Christian perspective. So, uh, so uh, Weller, Weller Reserve. Special Weller Reserve. Antique and uh, Weller 12. Yep. What was and, your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite? I... I the Weller 12. It was 12? Okay. Yeah, I, I could drink that pretty readily. My palate was a little... It was a little off tonight. The These were not too different for me. I mean, this is hotter, but like the flavors were not... Normally, that 12 is way woodier to me. Today didn't come off that way, but I'll try yeah. it again in a couple of days, and we'll yeah. see what happens. Maybe, maybe I've gotten you enough scotch these days. That's that, what it uh, is. That Macallan, you know, it's good stuff. That's right. So. All right, we won't keep you all any longer. All right. uh, thank you for... 
Watch Don't them. forget to like and subscribe and power filled with the spirit.